Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to be talking about dirt tonight, and we're going to be talking about getting clean tonight. So I thought as they were setting up, I would kind of go over with you. Um, just keep, if you, if you don't have the notes, just keep your hand up. She'll get to you. Um, I, I thought we'd talk just for a minute while they're setting up about some of the dirtiest jobs in the world. Um, I kind of looked it up, you know, I, I love to look things up. So this, these are some of the dirtiest jobs in the world. And here's the first one, sewer inspector. Um, that, 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 that's a job. Like some of you, you know, you know some people want to be doctors, some people want to be lawyers. Maybe you're an aspiring sewer inspector. You know, you've got a thing for it. Um, so, so there you go. Um, I can imagine that being a pretty dirty job. Another one, this is cool, crime scene cleaner. Uh, you know, what, so, some of you, like, you're, you're so weird, you're like, I would love to do that. Like, yeah, but um, there's crime scene cleaner. Um, this one's kind of a West Virginia one that we're familiar with, coal miner, right? You know, we, we love the coal miners. Um, and yeah, some of you have coal miners in the family. Uh, that's a pretty dirty job. Um, oh, they're still setting up. They're a pretty dirty job. Now it's, get, it's going to get a little gross. Um, there, this is a job, animal urine collector. Um, there are... There are people, men and women, who their sole job, what they do every day is they get up and they collect urine from live does. So hunters like me and, and Tucker and, and those guys can put a little bit on our shoes as we go out into the woods to mask our scent and to try to lure some big bucks in. So yeah, imagine, we, what do you do for a living? I'm a doe urine collector. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a dirty job or not, but it's definitely a stinky job. Um, here's another one that's similar. Um, it's a bat guano collector. So a bat guano is just a really fancy term for bat poop. And um, apparently bat guano is the most sought after fertilizer. So I guess it'll make your flowers grow like nothing, you know, nothing else. So people pay big money for bat guano. So these guys, obviously, I, if I were me, I'd be wearing a respirator, but they, they go in and they go into the caves in, in South and Central America and they dig up the bat guano and bag it and send it back to us so we can spread it on our lawns. And then here, this may be the worst one, um, and it's an elephant ultrasound tech. So, so, um, Explain this to me. We can put a man on the moon, but we can't find a better way to get a picture of an elephant's baby before it's born than that. Um, imagine that being your job. You know, you're going home, you're talking to your husband, you're talking to your wife, you're like, honey, how was your day at work today? You don't want to know. <laughs> so um, so yeah, there, there, are, uh, there are dirty jobs. That, thank you, guys. Yeah, there are dirty jobs. There are messy jobs. Um, and, you know, when was it that you kind of got, got yourself into, um, anybody ever get yourself into some trouble, like, where you were so dirty, like, you didn't even know how to get clean? Like, you had to hose yourself off or something. Uh, yeah, I did that a lot when I was a kid. So, when you're dirty, you just want to get clean. Um, you ever have to, like, clean a bathroom or something, and as soon as you finish cleaning the bathroom, you're like, I want to get clean. <laughs> I want to, like, torch my body, right? Um, so, we talked about being physical. Maybe we can go to the next slide here. I just can't, I, I can't talk and look at that at the same time. <laughs> um, so, we're going to move on from physical dirt to spiritual dirt. Um, I say this a lot, um, and... I hope I don't say it so much that it just becomes cliche, but because this is something that I truly believe. I believe every day that goes by, it's harder than ever to be a teenager. Uh, I, I was told that when I was a teenager, and I'm not going to tell you what year I graduated, um, but George W. Bush was president. Um, 
Oh, well, thank you, Christian. You're my favorite now. Um, so um, people told me that when I was graduating high school in 2004. That is, yeah, I can't believe the world you have to grow up in. But now I, I, I'm saying that about you. Um, I believe it's harder than ever to be a teenager. The pressures that are on you now are harder than they've ever been. So the question is, like, how do I live a life that's pleasing to God with all this stuff? So what I was going to do tonight, we're going to talk about soap, and we're going to talk about, I'm going to rearrange this just a little bit. We're going to talk about what it means um, to be dirty and to get dirty. And um, I was thinking about some of the things that you face as teenagers that are harder now than they've ever been, and the way that it maybe it, it leaves you feel. Um, and yeah, I've got some, I brought, I, you know, it's kind of BYOD, bring your own dirt, I brought my own dirt tonight, you know, because that's just, you know, that's what I do. Um, so it's part of my job. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I was thinking about some of the things that teenagers struggle with, some of the things that the world kind of pushes on teenagers. The one thing is, you know, is, is body image. Like, you know, you, you, you look at your friends, you know, spring break pictures, and they got like this, like ch- these like chiseled abs, you know, sitting on a beach, like this, you know, and, um, and, and you're like, man, I look like a, a you know, free willy on the beach, you know, <laughs> like they're, 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 they're calling the, the, the animal people, like we got to get this whale back in the ocean, you know, so you, you have this negative body image that's put on you, this impossible thing to live up to, so you start feeling you know, a little bit dirty, I hope I don't get anything like damaged forever here, um, but you know, yeah, I, I was thinking through some of this stuff, like we all want to be accepted, we all want to be supported, we all want people to look at us and say, I think you're doing good at this, or I think you're doing good at that, and we try our best to get good grades, but it's still not quite as good as maybe our parents want, or the the pressures that you put on yourself, or it's not quite as good as the person next to you, so that happens. It's not poop, it's just dirt, okay? Um, So so you, you keep thinking. The stress of having to prioritize time. You know, it's, it, me and my statistics, it's been said that the average teenager, if you factor in extracurricular activities, the time that you have to spend at school, the time you have to spend doing homework, if, if that was all considered a job, the average teenager works more hours per week than their parents. So you have all that pressure on you. This is fun. I'm, I'm just, this is like therapy for me. So, um, so yeah, you, you keep thinking. There's a pressure to conform to expectations. Did you know that teenagers today are more at risk for mental health issues than any other previous generation of teenagers? Because, and they, they say a lot of that is because of the pressures that are put on them. So depression is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. Teen suicide is on the rise. So you have that too. Um, we think about the mentors, you know, the people that we're supposed to look up to. You know, there used to be apparently a time when you could actually look up to politicians, the leaders of your country. Yeah, that's what I've been told. <laughs> you know, you used to be able to look up to professional athletes. You used to be able to look up to, to people who were in a position of power or position of authority and think that's somebody that I can aspire to be. But now it seems like every other day so it comes out that somebody's you know, a part of this scandal or somebody's done something wrong or somebody's hurt somebody. So you have that. You don't have any people that you can look up to. Um, we all know about the way that, that teenagers treat other teenagers, right? The online stuff, the in-person stuff. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I say it's harder than ever to be a teenager. I can't imagine what it's like to be a teenage girl. I mean, guys have their issues, guys have their dramas, but I cannot, be, I, 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 am, I don't say this as like, you know, I think one you know, gender is better than the other. I'm glad I'm a guy just because I see what like, teenage girls have to go through, and I'm not strong, I wouldn't be strong enough to take it. 
And, and that's kind of halfway joking, it's kind of halfway serious. So you got that going on. And then you just have the fact that, you know, that sin is so prevalent. Your sin used to be, this is according, you know, this is life according to your grandparents. You know, back in the day, the number one TV show was like the Andy Griffith show. Anybody y'all watch, yeah, you ever watch Andy Griffith? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was like the OG show, right? And now you turn on Netflix and it's all like TVMA, TVMA, TVMA. They market shows to middle schoolers that talk about things that like, you know, your grandparents never heard about till they were 40. Right, so sin is pressing in on us, and I think if we're all honest, I think if we're all honest, um, me and myself included, the world is so difficult right now. Um, if we're all honest, I think we'd all have to say that at some point in our lives, we failed. At some point in our lives, we've struggled, and the struggle won. Um, we face this unprecedented challenge of how to stay clean in a dirty world. But thankfully, the Bible speaks right to that. And just to kind of let you know what the big lesson is, is that if you want to stay pure, if you want to stay clean in a dirty world, you need to get really close with this book. You need to get really close with the Bible. So if you have your Bible, open up to Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, so chances are if you just let your Bible flop open, you may be on Psalm 119. Um, but it's Psalm 119, and we're going to look at verse 9 tonight. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. I've got the words on the screen. But if you do have a Bible, I'd really like you to turn to Psalm 119.9, and it asks the question that I just asked. Um, this, this was a psalm that was written, and it was kind of written as a prayer to God. So when you see the word like you or your, it's referring to God. And here's the question that it poses. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's the question. Here's the answer. By living according to your word. Now, your is talking to God, right? So how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Here's how the New King James Version says it. It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So you know I like to break these verses down, and we like to break these verses down and really, really get in depth. So we're gonna break this verse down real quick. It starts, it starts with who? who? Who's this verse talking about? It's talking about you. It's talking about a young man. And that was a gender neutral term back then. You know, it was just kind of a placeholder. You know, when you say mankind, it's not just talking about the men. I always think we should use the word womankind for about 2,000 years to, you know, make things equal. Um, but, um, it says, how can a young person cleanse their way? So it's talking about you. This verse is not talking about your parents. This verse is not, even though it could apply, this verse isn't talking about your grandparents or your aunts or your uncles or your teachers. This verse is talking about you. The teenage, the, yeah, the secret life of the American teenager, like the you sitting right here, right? Somebody's like, it's my show. Um, how can a young person, and this is the next thing, it's the what? Cleanse his way. The NIV says, stay on the path of purity. So pretty much just saying the question, how can I live a clean life in a dirty world? And here's the answer, here's the how. By taking heed according to your word, or as we read in the NIV, it says, um, by living according to your word. So the more our life matches up with God's word, the cleaner we'll be, <laughs> the cleaner our life will be. The more we'll be able to withstand the pressures of the world. If you've been around at Refuel for very long, you know there's a question that you're gonna be asked in TAG, and it's the first question. What's the question? Oh my goodness, what's the question? 
That's not the question. Uh, <laughs> not the question. The question is, how many days did you spend in the Bible, or how many days did you spend doing a Devo? Why do we ask that question every year? It's because we, 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 we know it's important if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. We started really digging into TAG two years ago, or like three years ago, in 2017. And in 2017, I started, you, you, I don't throw the TAG reports away. I'm Mr. Spreadsheet. I put it all into an Excel spreadsheet, and I have it all going back to, I think it was January 2017, and I've been kind of keeping track of how many devotions per week, per student, we average at Refuel, and in 2017, we averaged 2.61 devos a day, and I didn't know whether that was good or bad because I'd never really started tracking it before, so I was like, well, it's something. (laughs) Some people are reading the Bible, and I guess that's a good thing, right? So let's just keep working at it. But then you, some of you remember in 2018, yeah, I was a little bummed out because the 2018 numbers, 2.62. <laughs> we didn't make much progress. <laughs> like, like, like that's beyond like the little engine that could or like the turtle, you know, you know we're, we're not moving where we need to move. So we, we had a big effort, if you remember last year, on reading your Bible, reading your Bible, reading your Bible. So now it's 2019. And in 2019, I'm glad to tell you, we're up to 2.93 devos a day. So that's progress, right? That's, okay, that's exciting. Um, and, you know, I, I, I had to extrapolate those, not, you like that word, extrapolate? I had to, I had to multiply those numbers out. Um, and since the school year started, what that means is as a youth group, we have collectively spent 777 days in God's word. So to me, that's exciting that 777 times people in this youth group started their day or ended their day by learning and reading what God has to say to, say to them. But here's the flip side. 1,064 days, somebody in our youth group had no spiritual direction in their life because they didn't open their Bible. And I'm not saying that to, say, to, to, to shame you or shame us as a group and say, man, we're a bunch of heathens, you know, going straight to the pits of I don't know where you... That's not, the, that, that's not the reason, but what I'm saying is, hey, we made progress and that's great, but let's see if we can work on the remaining 1,064 days and see if we can bring them in line with God. Why is it that we don't read our Bible? I think they're kind of like two like designations of why we don't read our Bible as, as often as we, we would want to or we should. Um, some of us, we just think we're too busy and we don't have enough time. Some of us feel intimidated because we, you know, the Bible has a bunch of weird words and like, you know, the word circumcision is mentioned a lot and that's weird. And, you know, and, and there's, there's all this Hebrew Jewish stuff and that's weird. And like, yeah, how do we, you know, yeah, and, and you're intimidated by all the big words or, or sometimes, you know, you, you've tried and you failed before and you just don't, you're like, I, I don't know how to, I, I, the, the Bible doesn't make sense to me. Or some of you are bored with the Bible. You know, you open your Bible and you read like Mephibosheth begat, Jehoshaphat or something, and you're like, wow, that really spoke to my heart this morning, and you're like, this is boring, right? So here's the thing. If you don't have time to read the Bible, I can't help you. If you don't have time to read the Bible, I can't help you, because somehow you magically managed to find three hours this past week to not go to the bathroom and watch a movie, or a lot of you did, 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of you. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't make it like five minutes into my lesson without going to the bathroom. But hey, you see, end game. <laughs> it was an end game when end game was over to see you get the bathroom first, right? Yeah, but you, you magically found three hours out of your out of your, out of your day to watch a movie. Here, here's what I'm saying: We have time for what we prioritize. So if you don't have time to read the Bible, I, I can't help you. If you're intimidated by the Bible, or if you're bored by the Bible. Well, I can help you, or I should say God's word can help you because God gave us a blueprint for how to study the Bible to where we can understand what we're reading and the word comes alive. And we took this method, and I think it was in March. It was the first day of spring break, so some of you were out of town. We had a Bible study night. We took this method, and we just ran with it. And we had, I mean, we had so much fun. That was one of my favorite things that we did as a youth group. And H-E-B's with me. She's like, yeah, it's one of my favorite things we did as a youth group all year. So what we're going to do is we're going to do this together and learn how to study together. And I use the acronym SOAP. And here pretty soon, we're going to be applying SOAP to the dirt in our lives. Soap, S-O-A-P, you're going to find out. Um, so if you have your Bible, you, you're in Psalms, just kind of turn to the right to 2 Timothy, and we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Once again, the words are on the screen if you don't have your Bible, uh, but if you do, I'd like you to turn there just so you know where that is, right? Uh, so let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and then we're going to get soapy. So... Second, <laughs> you're like, no, thank you. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. It says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. So it makes this statement about the Bible, about scripture, and it says some things. And those things, we're gonna kind of use our soap diagram. And this is where if you got the, um, if you got and you're kind of following the notes, like the handouts, this is where it's gonna begin. So if you're a filler in of the blanks, um, here we go. Um, we're gonna start with S. We're gonna start with scripture. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. So the first thing that we learn about scripture is that it's God-breathed. Uh, other versions of the Bible say it like this, all scripture is inspired by God, but the NIV that I read, it has a pretty good rendering of that Greek word, which it means that the words came out of God's mouth. And there's this, you know, not to borrow a line from a famous politician, there's this fake news out there right now. Um, where people say, well, God didn't really write the Bible. The Bible is opinion of religious people who lived a long time ago. And in 397 AD, the Council of, uh, you know, the Council of Nicaea, they, they, they put together the, the Bible and they voted out certain books and they voted in certain books. But that's not the case. Uh, that's not the case. We can see that the Bible was inspired. And when you think about how do I know that the, the, the Bible that's in my hand is the word of God? Well, the first, the, the, what we need to think, you think about three A's, and I think I put the A's on the notes just so you have it. And the first is, you, the first A is author. Um, it says, all scripture is God breathed. Well, God didn't breathe and magically the, the, the words appeared on the, on the pages of the Bible, right? Somebody wrote down what God said. And the Bible was written, the Bible was written by eyewitnesses of Jesus, the Bible was, wasn't written by people who got secondhand information. The Bible was written by eyewitnesses of Jesus, people like Matthew, people like Luke, people like Paul, people who Jesus appeared in front of them, t- 
taught them and they took the teaching that Jesus taught them and they wrote it down. So the first thing that we, we learn is the, bo- the books that are in this Bible, they're not written by just random people who have some kind of opinion because if you ever read the comments section on Facebook, what you'll learn is everybody has an opinion. But these people weren't writing their opinion, they were writing what they saw. So author, the next is acceptance. Each of these books that are in the Bible, the New Testament, um, were accepted by the church. Jesus left, he said, I'll build my church. He said, go make disciples, and churches formed. And all these people, primarily Jewish people, they accepted all these writings that God inspired as scripture, which is interesting because it was a Jewish community, and for 400 years, there had been no inspired scripture accepted by the Jewish community. For 400 years, it was called the period of silence, it's called the intertestamental period, and for 400 years, there were people that wrote down stuff and said, hey, we think this is from God, and they're like, no, and hey, we thought you, God told me to write this, and they're like, no, God told me to write this, no, you just had something weird to drink last night, and now you're, you know, you're writing weird stuff, no, but when the New Testament started coming out, the people in the Jewish community who were Christians automatically, immediately accepted it as scripture. You see that in 1 Timothy 5.18 where Paul, who's an apostle of Jesus, quotes from the book, the gospel of Luke. You see it in Peter, in 2 Peter, when he quotes from the apostle Paul and, and Peter said this, he said, all of the writings of the apostle Paul that when he wrote about Jesus, he calls them scripture. So we, we see internal evidence, and then we see agreement, and that's what I call the external evidence. You know what's so wild is that this book was written over the course of 200 years. It started in the BC and ended in the AD. <laughs> 2,000 years, it was written by kings, it was written by farmers, it was written by fishermen, it was written by doctors, people from all walks of life in three different languages, and yet somehow every prophecy and every word in this book that is a book of 66 books is in perfect agreement. So when we, we see this book, it's not just a bunch of people's opinions that 400 years after Jesus died, died and went back to heaven, people put it together in a book. No, during the first century, when Jesus had gone back to heaven, it was automatically accepted as scripture because this book is God's word. All scripture is God-breathed, and then it says it's useful. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching. I put the picture of the driver's licensing. How many of all, yeah, it's the West Virginia driver's licensing handbook. How many of all had to read this? It's not exactly what I would call like a, you know, yeah, summer reading. Um, but if you want to get your license, you got to read this book and you got to go into this really small, awkward room at the DMV on the west end of Huntington. And you got to take this test where you feel pressure. And you, some of you are feeling the pressure and anxiety just from me talking about it, right? And it, you, it, whether or not you get to drive is based on how well you studied this book, right? Because that is a useful book. And the Bible isn't just something we read so we can like say, hey, did you know that you, you know, Jesus you know, used this Greek word? And you, you can feel superior about yourself, although it's important to study the scriptures deep. The Bible's useful for your everyday life. Yeah, the Bible has history, but it's not a history book. The Bible has science in it, but it's not a science book. You know, the Bible has stories in it, but it's not a novel. The Bible is the word of God written to you so that you can live your life in purity before God, so you can live your life clean. So scripture is useful. 
So that's the S. When you start to study the Bible, you have to start by approaching the Bible saying, this isn't, you know, this isn't like reading Twilight. This is God's word. This is what God said. God wrote a book. The next thing we see, we're going to O. We start observing. We have to actually read what's in Scripture. Um, and as we read, um, you're going to learn some things. It says the Bible is useful for what? Well, first it says teaching. Um, that's also a word that's translated doctrine. So teaching asks the question or it answers the question, what's right? You're going to learn a lot of things in the Bible that are right. You're going to learn that God loves you, and that's right. You're going to learn that God had this huge redemptive plan to rescue man, humankind. That's right. You're going to learn that God has a plan for marriage and a plan for sex. That's right. You're going to learn that God has a plan for your human relationships, your friendships, the way that you relate to your parents. That's right. You're going to learn God's plan for your life. It's useful for teaching. Then it says it's useful for rebuking. That's not a, way, I don't, not a word we use very often. Like, you know, Jude, I rebuke you. Yeah, actually, you know, yeah, I shouldn't pick on people in the front row. You know, so John, I rebuke you. you know, re rebuke is not a word we use very often, but what the, what the word is, it's exposing what's wrong. Is at the heart of the word for rebuke. It's exposing what's wrong. The Bible's not just gonna tell you what's right, it's gonna tell you what's wrong. The Bible's gonna tell you what's wrong. It's, you, just like there's a right way and a wrong way to do certain things, you're gonna find, find out about it in the Bible. The Bible's gonna expose pride in your life. The Bible's gonna expose idolatry in your life. Um, the Bible's gonna have something to say in your heart about the, about the shows that you're, you're, you're thinking about watching on Netflix or about the music you're listening to. The Bible's gonna have something to say about the attitude that you have towards your parents. I don't want to step on any toes here, but the Bible's going to say something about the attitude that you have to your parents, and it's going to expose areas in your life that don't line up to God. It's going to draw the distinction between what's clean and what's dirty in your life. So as you start reading the Bible, you're going to start seeing things that are true about God, and you're going to start seeing things that are right and start seeing things that are wrong, and you're going to look at those, and you're going to underline those, and you're going to write those down. So we're only to sow. So let's keep going. Um, a stands for apply. Yeah, I've got all these wonderful cleaning products here. And, you know, I made a big mess, but thankfully I have all these cleaning products here to clean up the mess. But here's the problem. If I just sit here and I study this, this bottle of Dawn and say, you know, we have a really messy life, so we're going to have a Dawn study tonight. And we're all going to get together, and we're all going to read the contents and the ingredients of this soap, and we're all going to try to speculate as to which ingredient in this soap is the most important to clean this mess, and we're going to kind of debate about it, we're going to write some papers on it. Um, you know, if we don't solve it, we'll meet together next week and next week. We may sing a couple songs about how great Dawn is, um, you know, and we, we may invite other people to come learn about this great soap we have. Is that going to solve our problem? Soap has to be applied. Some of you are learning this the hard way with deodorant, right? That deodorant ain't doing no good. I, hey, I smelled the park tonight. That deodorant ain't doing no good sitting in your closet. If you don't want to smell like sour milk, that deodorant has to be personally applied, doesn't it? So application happens when we take God's word Oh, this is fun. This is just so satisfying. When we take God's word and we allow it to stir our hearts and we apply it to our lives. And what we learn is we start becoming clean 
the more we start applying God's word. What does the Bible say? It's useful for correcting. This word for correcting has to do with setting a broken bone in place. So think about the areas of your life when you read the Bible, it exposes sin in your life, it exposes areas in your life that don't line up with God. The Bible doesn't just say, hey, you know, you have all these problems, yeah, good luck, you know, stinks to be you. Yeah, it, it provides you the way in which you can line back up with God. If you've sinned, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if you confess your sins, you're, he's faithful and just to forgive. If you have a problem with somebody else, Matthew 18 shows you how you can be restored with your brother or sister in Christ. Um, if you have a pro- if you have, um, if there's somebody in your life who you know has fallen and you want to help restore them, Galatians 6 1 shows how you can restore someone who's fallen into sin. How can I get right? That's what correcting is asking. And then it says training in righteousness. I got this picture of this big old Hulk guy, you know, you know, that's a deadlift. Man, that's my favorite move at the gym. You just get down there low and boom, you know, it's my favorite. Um, but if you only go to the gym once a week, are you going to be buff like this guy? If you're running cross country, if you're running track and you only practice one day a week, how are you going to do at your track meet? (laughs) Not very good, even though you don't do good anyway. Um, (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't know any. uh, That's harsh. If you only work out one day a week, you will not see gains. Some of us, the only spiritual workout we get is on Wednesday night or it's on Sunday morning. And we wonder why we have this yo-yo Christianity where we go on a mission trip or we go to camp and everything's great and we're on fire for God and then school hits and we start feeling dirty again. It's because we're not training for righteousness. We're not disciplining ourselves. We're not spending every day in God's word. When that 2.93 gets up to 6.5 or 7.0, some of you are gonna start experiencing victory over that yo-yo Christianity that you got in your life. So we gotta wrap it up. It's time to finish. But we gotta finish with the P. That has nothing to do with the end of the, uh, the, the end game movie. Um, it stands for pray. You can't do this without God. This Bible was not written to be a, like, like a project that you work on by yourself. And if you're like me, you hate group projects. But studying the Bible is a group project, and the first person that you need is the Holy Spirit inside you illuminating your life. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus, God's truth isn't going to come to light to come to life to you until you put your faith in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. For those of us who are Christians, you can't just open your Bible, read it, and just walk away. We need to pray and ask God to help us apply what's in our life. Because only With prayer and Bible study, prayer and application, can we become clean? So where do we go from here? I gave you a handout, and on the handout are the notes, so you could fill in the blank. On the back side of the handout, there's a back side, I don't know if you you realize that. On the back side, I've got a, we called it when we did Bible study night, a soap sheet. And it just says, scripture, observe, apply, pray. What I want to ask you to do, when you get home tonight... Pick up one of these on your way out. Pick up a Dwell Devo on the way out, and it's gonna have an assigned Bible reading for today. Get the May 1st assigned Bible reading. Read it. Write that passage under the scripture setting. When you observe, write a couple things that you've learned to be true about God and true about you. Under the apply section, write down a way in which you promise to God to live out that Bible verse tomorrow 
and then you know what to do with the last one. Pray it back to God. So take this week, you put it in your Bible, you know, take a picture of it if you lose things really easily. Spend time in God's word tonight. Spend time in God's word tonight and watch your life get clean and stay clean. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna get out of here. And I don't usually do this very often, it's 8.15 when we're supposed to get out and we're done. So that's exciting. Um, so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna pray and get out. Um, so everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Um, let's pray. Oh, God, we've heard from your word, and maybe it's exposed areas in our life where we need to be brought back in line with you. Uh, maybe we have not. We all struggle, but maybe it's just been very apparent uh, that we have not been pursuing you through your word the way that we should be. Um, God, I pray that you'll give us a, such a desire to read the Bible, such a desire to hear your words and to read your words and to live out your words but God, that it'll cause things to fall into place in the priorities in our life. That it'll cause us to pursue, pursue you more than any human relationship, uh, more than any accomplishment, or more than anything, that you will come first in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.